Gentlemen, start your engine. Good afternoon, radio. For those who don't know, Radio Hotler. Thanks for coming and making time. It's on everybody's mind. For those who don't know, there's a big shebang. Sorry about that. Sorry about the uh, um, technical goodies. Radio Hotler. Hot, 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 hot. Oh, cheers, boys. Cheers. Cheers. There's a lot of squeaking from afar on Skype today. I'm not surprised. There's sort of squeaking in the Australian time zone, then there's the squeaking when, a, when Europe woke up, and now we're starting to get American squeaking. <laughs> because, of course, I couldn't squeak yesterday because it was the 11th. Right. But nonetheless... So today's the squeak day. Which means... Microsoft bought Skype. Viewers, it's not time for tech time, but time for episode 181 of Radio Hot Lap, that light-hearted and zany podcast that takes a look at the world of motor racing, cool emerging technologies, gadgets and barbecues, but not food. in winter, unless you're going to Indianapolis soon. Not that anyone is. Right. Just quietly. JP. John. Welcome to the show as usual, mate. Oh, thank you, and um, nice to be here. And happy birthday! Thanks, mate. It's it's it's, it's a bit of a you don't it's look a bit like of a half century job. Day over eighty, I must say. I know. Does this mean I need to be honest with the Russian dating websites with my age? Well, about time. I mean, does this hurt. mean I need to be honest? <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> Full stop. <laughs> Capital letter, new sentence. <laughs> There's a few people from afar wanting to. To connect in and 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 being a little bit annoying with their Skype yeah. chatter and stuff yeah. stuff stuff like that. Skype but, chatter. You know, up until now, you've been the only person for me, JP. <laughs> As in, when it comes to being able to not deliver the Apple product. Oh well, that's good. But, but, I'm glad but, to hear but that. But that's okay. Because I like to antagonise you. You know that, don't you? But 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 you've been surpassed. Mm. By inability to deliver. Mm. But, but tonight, by... Stanley. No, no, not Stanley. Stanley's an individual. By the company, next by... Complete oh. inability to deliver. Carefully, to me, an iPad 2 from... Can't get it here, there, it's the wrong store, blah, blah. Don't have one, come in, buy a handbag. But buy a handbag? He's gone out of his way to hand deliver it to me tonight and here he is Stanley thanks thanks for doing that iPad 2 32 3 gig in white in white yeah the new black as Simonson would say <laughs> who's now turned gay after, oh. after issues of the oh, week oh, yeah Stan thanks mate you're welcome John now Stan when you get the chips out of your mouth as Linda would say you, oh, yeah, you're you, you better have a little bit of a chat because you know you are. We, we have a little bit of tech time up front because you're the old school of technology. Yeah. We've, well, we've been to we've been to America a few times along with JP and hey, you go back to the early days of Apple. Well, thank you, John. That's very kind of you to mention my roots inside the culture, starting in 1988 in the early days and been through all the hard yard years hanging on to the graphics community only to deliver 
the multimedia that we used to talk about in a global fashion, unparalleled by anybody else on this planet. Well, and, and it's <laughs> beautifully put together. But I mean, I remember that uh, when uh, when Greg at Middleton and I founded Ad Type Solutions in the early nineties, there you were with with, with Arthur Arthur P and uh, created a, a company out in Sydney called Power Media, which was very much a and still today uh, um, an entity up there. But you guys were as equally interested in in how that mixed media format came together, the, the mix of sound and, uh, and vision and, and still images into a story. You know, there, sure, there was like early versions of PowerPoint and things like that with, with other operating systems. Today, people sort of just think that it's just here, but we were there at, 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 at the early days when they were just building blocks, watching quick-time movies which are about the size of postage stamps. That's true, John, that's true. And what a far cry that is today from industrial light and magic. And people used to laugh at the little Mac that can never do anything. They used to laugh at it, certain PC uh, entourages, but now not laughing at all. And so therefore, we have circumnavigated their nonsense only to deliver more new media in a way that's deliverable to the common man. Exactly. And everybody can enjoy it from the days when you used to have to go to the Kodak shop for a printout. Now you can watch your son's footy and come home and print it. Mm -hmm. How wonderful to bring this to simple laymen and individuals, the little people that no one talks or cares about. Dogs are empowering the real people. Dogs the rusty are. sausage is absolutely, uh, absolutely going bonkers tonight. Okay. She's, she's gone, I mean, she's been in a basket for the last two days. Mum's down there going, oh, I'm going to take you away while the bad weather or she's eating a bad bone. But she's going, hello, everyone's here. It's episode 181. And I didn't know Windows made balloons. And I've, got, I've got to believe you, but that make anything else at work. <laughs> <laughs> mate, good to have you here. And um, let's uh, charge our glasses. And uh, while we do, I'll just mention that both you and I are having a nice little sneaky Kunawara. The magician. Musician. The mu musician. We are musicians. musicians. Yeah, we're musicians. Oh, <laughs> from these, nowhere. These aren't my glasses. Well, you want these? I think so. Why don't you line me? Well, who's the they then? I'll just drink up and not think anymore about it. Do you know who they are? These are the missing glasses of Chris Vegas. Hey, they're Rod Steiger's glasses, the pebble glass, the original pebble glass. Rod Steiger's? Stan, showing your age again. Yeah, I do watch old movies, yeah. <laughs> As a nine-year-old. Anyway, cheers. Good health and stein. Cheers. Happy birthday. Thanks, guys. Cheers, mate. Righto, before we uh, we get going, I suppose we uh, need to say well, once again, thanks, Mum, for coming down. You're going to have a little squeak on audio. Come up here and say happy birthday to all the viewers around the world. And tell them... <laughs> Tell them how wonderful it is to be on episode 181 of Radio. I don't know what you're going on about. Well, That's enough. The statement of the month award it goes is. to Mum. Mum has been training me in the, uh, in the legal art of denying anything. Yeah. We don't know. I don't know what you're going on about. And that just sums it, sums it all up, John. I hear him talking about very important um, functions that he's got to do. The JP and his... <laughs> Well, hang on, they're mutually exclusive. Importance and JP never go together. That's right. 
Well, I'm going to say all the wrong things because I really don't know what it's all about. Yes, that's it. That's a bit of a disease in our family, foot and mouth. But nonetheless, it's time to move on. He's worried. Down to the dress circle, Mother. While, uh, while we call in on the most annoying person. We'll call in the most annoying person uh, that we can find. Uh, you International. Now you've got to change his photo look. You've got to get that little goatee happening. We need a new photo, of folks. Oh, he's so annoying. Good evening. Good evening, Fawar. <laughs> In the beginning was the manual. <laughs> then there was the folks. <laughs> Hello, mate. How are you? A man against the world and in a race against time. <laughs> You've been doing those voiceovers. Listen, I don't need you to go straight into detailing how Tony Cochran feels about the Channel 7 deal tonight. <laughs> so you still haven't got rid of that beard then? Well, <laughs> the hamster on my face. Yeah. My friend put it. <laughs> the hamster under your bottom lip. Oh, there's some more on the top. It's Final Cut. It's a, it's a Photoshop job, yeah? Well, it is, isn't it? Because yeah, the, the curtains don't match the mantelpiece, so to speak. <laughs> What's going on, Fogwanus? Well, it's a big day, isn't it? In the history of the world, in fact. <laughs> 50 years. Uh, God help us all. Day over 60, John. Do, 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 do you notice the way that Faves is actually using the video? He's sort of got that Peter Brock not looking at camera sort of concept going there. Ah, oh, don't know. <laughs> oh, there you go, he flashes on. <laughs> like he's looking at the teleprompter. Yeah. Number one, number one. Yeah, stick that oil up your ass. Mate, what's been going on? And uh, what are you having to drink, most importantly, on my birthday? Well, in celebration, I found this. Oh, Wins Coonawarra. A variation of my favourite Wins Coonawarra Cabernet Sauvignon. This is called the Siding another one of their vineyards or um, vine plantations. I love a train. And it's a 2009, very reasonably priced too, and uh, goes down a treat. <laughs> when folks Especially when you're on the French bowl. What does he mean that reasonably priced? Well, well anything under cheers. 15, I think, for folks, isn't it? Cheers. Happy cheers. birthday, John. <laughs> Thank you, uh, Fogwar. Um, and also over yeah, here is... Uh, is a friend of mine, Stanley, Stanley. who I've known uh, for many g'day, years. G'day. Who, um, who, who has actually been a very uh, nice man to be the only Apple dealer I know that could actually deliver the iMac iPad 2. Beautiful. Thank you, Stanley. Oh, nice birthday present. No, no, I had to pay for it. But he did do free delivery. <laughs> but if you look around the world, he's not beating me with a stick, even though we're having Chinese for dinner tonight. He's not that much of a friend, folks. So, Stan, so what happened when he played it? Did like spiders and moths and dust come out of the wallet? I'm saving up for a wallet. Well, I've got the spiders and I've got a bit of dust. Yeah. He's worried about mine. He'd be doing it on the tick, wouldn't he? <laughs> Folks, what are you making? Folks is moving forward there, so like, trying to see where you've disappeared to. Let's uh, let's, let's give him a hand. <laughs> let's, in there. let's move on to the business at hand, folks, which is the world of motor racing. Okay, Tony Cochran has put his hand up, and quite rightly so, as uh, first broken on uh, an earlier episode of Radio Hot Lap. 
that it wasn't really suitable for various people around the, the country to be swapping over to seven mate to listen to the coverage, you know, with a billion, 1.4 billion dollars worth of uh, sale going on with the AFL, 1.1 billion in cash, with their promise that they're going to be uh, delivering live AFL on all channels. It's not really fair, is it, that um, that V8 supercars are now being chucked out to a secondary sports channel that requires um, people who have more than a free-to-air setup. What's your take on that, son? Especially when the deal's going down. Well, Cochrane's not happy at the experimentation by Seven with running some of the V8 telecasts on Seven Mate, their secondary digital channel. Um, is going to stop. He's not happy, and he's declared that uh, that's not acceptable, and the races at least have to be on the main seven network. So that's what's going to happen now for the rest of V8 Supercar's current TV deal, which goes through until the end of next year, and negotiations will begin soon, or if they haven't already begun, for a new five-year deal from 2013 onwards. What network gets it, or wants it, is up for debate. And Cochrane, as we've said before, um, bluntly says that if Seven is sticking with doing, forced to do all four of the AFL games on the weekends, that it's bought in this new rights deal, that is, if it doesn't sell off a couple to another network, um, he doubts that VH will be on Seven. So we'll have to wait and see. We've got a good 15, well, good 18 months before um, the deal is set in place. Although I would imagine it'll probably be stitched up by the end of this year, but um, we're going to have to wait and see what's going on at Channel Ten and whether they're going to bid under their new, uh, well, their new programming formats on both One and Ten itself. And uh, you know, the question is whether Nine might be interested. That'll probably be decided. I would imagine by who gets the NRL rights, the Rugby League rights in New South Wales. Which Seven is also making noises about making a bid for. So certainly. If Seven got the uh, Rugby League, there would be absolutely no room, you would have thought, for B8. So it's all up in the air, but the business of uh, races at least getting flung onto Seven Mate is over for the time being. Um, that's not to say that qualifying mightn't be on um, during some of the races. Bassist, of course, will be live, live after the uh, furor that followed last year's event when it was on slight delay. Um, that's a legal thing, though. The government, under its new list of uh, protected events, Bathurst is an A-list event as far as the anti-siphoning rules are concerned, so it must be shown live, live, not as live or slightly delayed, and that'll kick in from this year's event. The rest of the VH supercars can still be shown as delayed, as live telecasts, as they say, because they're <laughs> B-list events. Right, but what, what about, I mean, you're saying... Okay, well, Bathurst's a sort of a, an en entity unto itself, but if we look at the, uh, the bigger picture of the of the B list events, um, surely even if Ten does bid, what's going to make them any better um, at not making it a one HD uh, telecast than Seven's going to make it a Seven Mate telecast? Yeah. I can't honestly see that even if Ten were to get it, that other than the actual races themselves. You'd get anything else on uh, on ten? You'd, it'd all be on one HD. Then, just before you answer that, uh, folks, uh, or, or provide an opinion, I, I think that what what's missing here is that the networks don't seem to have a performance clause associated with the deal, because we've seen a degradation of their ability to provide live live coverage 
um, pretty much from the get go on on Channel on Seven. Seven, yeah, um, sure. And and so when you know there's a statement comes out and says right we're going to provide it, and then there's this little interruption. They go oh it's a hiccup there, hiccup there. Where are the performance clauses? What where where are the you know the key performance indicators that the boxes they need to tick to be able to continue doing that? And of course they go hey it was a it was a big you know a, a seven figure was it seven or even eight figure deal I think. Back then, it was a very, very large television uh, deal to move away from 10, especially, and 10 having built a whole new facility at the end of Wakefield Street there up on Hutt Street in Adelaide, which could have run cables down the road and provided all sorts of, all sorts of really interesting coverage here from Adelaide. You know, perhaps that will be a factor in the bid uh, coming on from here on, but, uh, you know, to me, is it... Once the deal's done, everyone seems like they sort of go back on their uh, on their arrangements, or are forgetful, much like the uh, politicians. Of course, we won't be having a carbon tax. <laughs> well, the reality is that under the previous ten deal, apart from Bathurst, none of the races were live. Live, they were all on some delay to some extent, or parts of them were. Um, and it's been that way on seven, mainly on seven, because they've been, during the footy season anyway, juggling the telecasts of the V8 races with the uh, telecasts of the AFL rounds. And so they, you know, if you like, hold back, uh, you know, qualifying in the, and in the old, under the old system, you know, on Sundays, the first race, and then feed them into the almost live telecast of the second race. And now, you know, since we've got this new format this year, it's one race on Saturday, one race on Sunday, essentially, at most, at most events. Um, they hold back the qualifying and feed it straight into the um, delay telecast of the race. And I don't think anything's going to change much on that, maybe for really big events like the Clipsal or the Gold Coast 600 or something. You know, there may be a bit more live, live, live component. Um, but... Um, Actually, I was talking to Cochran about this just the other day, and his view, and it's reasonable, is that unlike a footy game, which is not really normally subject, you know, to delays or interruptions, you know, you know, and the good example was, you know, Rindler's fiery crash, Carl Rindler's fiery crash at Barbagello. Um, you know, that created a great, huge delay that if the thing was live, well, they'd be filling a lot of dead air, you know, filling up that time. So by, with a slight delay, in the telecast, they were able to, you know, edit some of that delay out, and, and you know, didn't adversely affect the telecast. You know, that's that's one argument. Um, so, I don't think we can expect um, any change there. What we won't be seeing, uh, according to Cochrane, anyway, is that they won't be just going for the money. <laughs> They'll go mainly for the money. <laughs> in the new deal, you know, what is vital is that they get a deal with a mainstream or a major free-to-air network there'll be no sense that even if Fox Sports comes in and offers you know, a big swag of money, it won't go exclusively on pay TV um, and it has to be that way because sponsors and everyone will be up in arms, if you get um, banished to pay TV, well you might get a big rights fee a very hefty rights fee, but suddenly you're only getting to a potential of about, I think it's 30 maybe 35% at most of the TV audience in Australia. And that's pretty consistent with pay TV everywhere around the world, apart from, say, the United States. Um, so he's made an undertaking that they just won't be going for, you know, 
an exclusive deal with pay tv even if it pays better and they'll be going to get on one of the major free-to-air networks and they and by that i mean their primary channel so it'll be seven or ten or nine or i suppose an outside chance you know abc one um but it's he's certainly not interested in it getting hived off to you know prop up seven mate or go or eleven or, or even one because one, which is was the sports network of, yeah, of ten, has now changed and it's become more like Seven Mate. It's a it's a bloke's channel, so it'll still have a lot of sport on, but it won't primarily be um, sports. So it's going to evolve and change. So I don't know, frankly, and I don't think VF Supercars know where it's going to go at the moment because um, so much is up in the air, you know, within the networks and the TV market itself that. Um, you know, Cochrane is adamant that he'll get more money for the rights. I reckon that's a pretty optimistic call. So we'll just have to wait and see. But um, there'll be earnest negotiations going on for the rest, for the rest of this year. That's for sure. You know, um, I think that there's something else that's that's relevant here. Is that you're seeing um, we're on the cusp of analog television being turned off. Um, Mildura, the first town to actually go all digital, and and so um, and when we move away from like the the traditional um, um, the, the traditional delivery mechanisms. yeah delivery mechanisms of you know like channel two seven nine ten and now you know SBS I think yeah, yeah, the, the a lot of people there's more people out there we don't realise that that don't have much of a clue about uh, the, this sort of stuff. And in fact, it's surprising when you go to major events um, or major, you know, V8 supercar events such as uh, Bathurst is how little penetration internet technologies and, and digital television has. So I think that their, their, um, their worry is well-founded. And, and I'm not sure who to blame here, if there's anyone to blame, but... Transitionally, it seems very, very difficult to articulate how we um, how we uh, how we move across. Dan, you might have some uh, some ideas on this. I mean, well, just been as an impartial the... observer who purchased a Volvo 855 station wagon prior to Brock winning 11 races at Bathurst, and they all laughed at him. I had a Volvo 850, the original Volvo 858, and. I'm just wondering, this situation, A, must have turned up in the US, and this situation must have turned up in Europe. And it would be interesting to know how they countered this balancing situation where it seems to me that they know very well how to retract, but they don't know how to expound and go forward. And John touched on the nerve point of going digital, and they're not looking at the digital community or watching TV digitally. They don't know anything about them. They're still in the old world. And a new world is just looking right up there, you know, right up their muffler, and they can't see them. They can't That's see, the they can't the see the, how many computer the users are bringing... The media is playing a much larger role. Yeah, but they don't know how to reach that community. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, you're right the on next, the... Yep. In the, next two, in the next broadcast deal... You know, it's not just going to be all about traditional broadcast, which is TV, um, online and mobile phone um, telecasts, if you like, or coverage will play a much larger role. Um, not a dominant role, not by any specific Well, it could be a dominant role if there were... Yep. You know, 
TV is still going to be the main medium. So Yeah, because they don't know how to expound the dominant role. They don't know how to get on top of the digital community. You're perfectly on the button there. You're right on the money. And they don't know how to en embrace that community. It's new to them, and they need to bring in new advisors to help them get their numbers up so they can do the deals they need to do. And at a higher level, at a really t a tallest level, I think Passioned. a business deal, it doesn't appear to be the business deal that, you know, for the life of the deal. Mm. They move the goalposts, and once it's signed, I mean, you know, the, the, know. the, the, the race category or the sport... Or whatever it is, is at, is at the mercy, Jamie. It'll suffer. Yeah. It'll um, suffer. Of, uh, <clears throat> of, of it, really the contract they're in. I mean, hey, we don't control the media, but, but that's the point. The media are extremely controlling. And what was the recently saying coming up to the, to, to the elections? Geez, you know, like only a fool would not be in alliance with the media because, you know. Yeah, but. They can retouch Tony's ears if they have to. Not. Tony Cochran's ears. Yeah, but John, the whole media landscape is in upheaval, if not turmoil. Um, mm. All sections of the media are struggling to come to grips mm. with the rapid technological change. Um, you know, the print media is really struggling at all levels to make the transition. Um, TV is, you know, under siege from, you know, from within itself with this, you know, multi-channel format. And then also what's you know what you can get on your um, smartphone or, or online, and that's it's a growing component. But you know the reality is at the moment that, that as far as TV is concerned, you know the conventional broadcast format is still vastly dominant. So while you have to acknowledge that other platforms are important and are growing, it's still going to be some years, some considerable number of years before. You know, they take over from TV. Most people get their broadcasting consumption still from television, and it's going to stay that way for at least the rest of this decade. Although it'll change very rapidly, and digital take up, you know, has been, uh, as I understand it, you know, pretty quick as far as TV is concerned. Um, it started slowly, but you know, more and more people are just by natural attrition, you know, getting digital television, whether they even realise it's different or not from analog. So that turning off the analog signal is probably not going to, you know, create a huge amount of disruption. Um, and there will be more and more coverage of all sports, starting with the AFL online and um, on your mobile device. But it's still up for debate as to how many people really want to watch it on any other form. You know, do you, do you really want to sit down and watch a whole race on your computer screen? Not sure about that. Andy, you know, unless you're out and about, you know, are you going to try and watch a V8 race or an AFL match or an anything, you know, on your mobile phone? Um, you know, there's there's stop gaps um, yeah. that will become increasingly important. But I, I'm, in the foreseeable future, I can't honestly see them overtaking. Can you? I can't see them overtaking, folks. But I can <laughs> see that within three years, a lot of the things that you've just been alluding to will actually be happening. I mean. There's already a, a, a good percentage of the population that's got their computer or their um, their uh, router wired into their TV set so that they can watch internet TV, uh, for want of a better way of putting it. Um, you reckon? Oh, well, It'll be a small percentage of early adopters, JP. Well, 
but, I don't know, going by the number of people who want an HDMI cable when they buy a laptop. Yeah, but at the end of the day, it, it's not about the technology. It's, a, it's about a paradigm shift in people's thinking about how are we are we going to be prepared to like come up with a, you know deal with a concept that we're actually watching digital you know uh, downloaded information on TV in the lounge room. Certainly, there are some devices that are enabling that, like Apple TV and so on, like that. But but our mindset is such that we don't watch we don't watch entertainment on our computer. We go to the lounge and we watch it on a big screen. And for whatever reason, um, that, that's more comfortable. It's a better picture for a start. But, 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 the, right. but that that picture, but that picture, now. that picture may actually just be digital, but we don't know it. Overnight, um, and I didn't want to get so much into tech directly, but but it actually is it is pretty relevant that <coughs> uh, Google I/O, the, the uh, developers conference, has been held in San Francisco, and they've been working on a whole bunch of different things. Obviously, you know that. And the Android operating system has been taking <clears throat> all sorts of interest in the mobile space. But behind the scenes, or rather in a different direction, they've been working on an operating system or a browser with a micro-operating system called Chrome. Now, that overnight was divulged in a much clearer fashion that people could understand. Acer and Samsung are going to produce Chrome books which run effectively only the Chrome OS that runs a browser. It's a device that has solid state memory in it and everything is sitting on the cloud. So if I leave it in the plane or I eject from the plane and the plane crashes or I drop it in the river, I just get another device and I plug it in and it returns everything to me much like it would be an iPhone. So yeah, the, that, that's okay, Johnny, but it assumes you have an internet connection. It, it's not yeah, fair yeah. when you don't have an internet uh, connection. It's no, tough. no, yeah, no. I face we, we're not trying to we're not trying to argue the the negative points. I'm oh. trying to I, in a uh, well, for for the for the ongoing uh, sake of this discussion. Let's assume we are in a connected world, okay? And in a home that doesn't move, it's connected. Right. A lightning strike can also break down television communication, and that that can, that the, the data will become more robust. But by by storing everything in the cloud, and and being able to have an instant on solution to digital data that um, that will be there anywhere I, I go. In other words, I can have a three hundred dollar laptop on my desk here in the kitchen, another one in the office, another one in the car another one at a friend's place, another one at my holiday house, wherever I go, it's synced up automatically. That, that's sort of cool. But that, that's an interesting thing, what Google has been, been doing. But if we, if we look at the big picture about, you know, we're getting back to it. People look, sit in their lounge and they look at a 46-inch plasma and they go, it's terrestrial, terrestrial TV. Yeah, yeah, I can see you jerking off there. <laughs> well, I think we're straying from the point of it. And hey, I, hell of a party. Where are the balloons? The dog where are the mothers, you know, where are the, where's the girl popping out of the cake? You see the, the, you see the deflectionary uh, tactic when he hasn't no, got an answer? Do you see the eyes fly over? Every day, you know. See the, is, is, look, guys, is that a bit of Eddie Jordan going on? You've just got too much tech in there. He's, he's, yeah, I, do he's I have, have an answer? What, what is he's it? trying. What, what, and what question am I answering? Trying. You're not answering any questions now, folks. Folks, 
It will change. We ain't supercars. But not as quickly. Cochrane's discussion is finished. JP. It's over. What do you got to say, JP? VA, well, VA Supercars will have a new owner within a, the next few days. Yeah, yeah, well, back to you in a minute because you're off. Yeah, you're you're out on the sidelines, shunting down the backyards, you know, turntable. JP, what do you got for us? Well, it depends what you want to talk about. What should we talk about? Nothing Formula really. One? Or Nothing should we go really Formula One? Apparently, apparently, the Turkish people are uh, fairly upbeat after their, um, after their race on the weekend. Um, there's all these conflicting reports of how many people actually attended, and, uh, you know, the, the word is that. Uh, they uh, they sort of inflated the figures a bit. We never heard well, that before. Well, let me tell you that there's one person that's not particularly upbeat after getting a very nasty summons in the mail, <laughs> and that was the winner, Sebastian Vettel, for having a little bit of a sip on the champagne, of the champagne on the podium, faux gras. The, 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 the age for drinking in, in Turkey has been raised to 24, that side of the Bosphorus. Uh, 23 right? he was. Did you know that? Did you know that? I did, and that's why the champagne wasn't was unbranded. Yeah, I noticed and the champagne. Right. Technically, it was illegal, but you know, no great harm done, and uh, you can drink pretty much anywhere else in the world. It could have been fizzy water with froth. So, do you think Bernie backed down on his fee doubling? You know, I mean, it was allegedly gone from thirteen mil to twenty six mil if they wanted to keep staging the race and. The government got involved and everything else, and you know. When are you going to learn the media talk shit? What? Yeah, no, I know, but I'm just saying. If it, does he believe it? He's the media. Yeah, but I don't know. Shit. I don't know. Bernie I know he talks has, shit, but not that you know, much shit. In the past, sometimes compromised, but it's not necessarily. It's certainly not his nature. So I don't. I think it's probably more that the Turkish authorities have seen that maybe we're going to lose this race, and that suits their agenda to have it, so that they've, um, you know. So they've back down the and uh, they're just going to go ahead with it. I, you know, it, the crowd needed to be a lot bigger because it's been pretty, uh, pretty ordinary the last few years, and it's a you know hugely expensive facility. Um, it's difficult to get to. Apparently, you have to go across the bridge from Istanbul to the other side of the the river to get out to it. It's a constant you know traffic nightmare. So, um, but having said all that, it is one of the more interesting modern tracks, and it is. turn eight there has now become almost. Famous, yeah. you know, a very challenging high-speed corner, and it turned out to be a pretty riveting race. You know, I mean, it did. The uh, movable wing or the drag reduction system worked um, amazingly well. They're probably too well because um, <laughs> anyone got behind someone else and used the movable wing, they immediately went straight past. But it did liven things up. So they're uh, starting to get the show right. Um, I think it was interesting talking about. Um, mini scandals and battles. Um, Champagne swiller. Technically illegal drink on the podium. Um, I think the more interesting story came out of the aftermath of the Chinese Grand Prix where Adrian Sutil was uh, alleged to have been involved in a bar fight. <laughs> resulted, well, well, which apparently, allegedly, resulted in a, a senior member of the Ren Lotus Renault GP team um, being shuffled out of the place with um, knife wounds on his throat and turned up in Istanbul um, with scars on his neck. So we haven't quite got to the bottom of all that, but um, and what Sutil's role in it was is not quite clear, but he's been implicated and it has been admitted that he was in, involved in a bit of a scuffle. So, um, Channel 7. You well, you know, I mean, it's pretty interesting. You don't often hear of Formula 1 drivers involved in knife fights, do you, really? You don't. And if anybody was going to find out about them, you would have. 
So, um, <laughs> that's right. So, <laughs> so well, what you're saying is that, that uh, you know, come uh, uh, Monza, it would be, uh, or rather Imola, it would be unwise for anyone to try to do the uh, a sleazy salad bar gig on uh, a Nelson PK uh, at the chicane uh, if they were involving um, Adrian Satil for fear of more than just a punch with the helmet on. Yeah, no. Give him a lot more respect from now on. <laughs> <laughs> I won't be picking an interview, a fight with him in an interview, that's for sure. <laughs> It, it could be a bit of a James Bond, James Bond plot. Now, that, but, but, but before we move off from, from F1... Oh, well, I was just going to one more F1 thing, which was, folks, I hear that Johnny Herbert's come out and said that Schumacher's passed it and uh, he's, it's, he'll probably retire at the end of the year. Well, why would Johnny Herbert come and say that? Because Johnny Herbert feels he's not getting enough press. Well, Johnny Herbert hasn't been in the press for I don't know how long, but, you know... It's pressless. But nevertheless, I thought it was an interesting sort of comment that the Pommy newspapers have obviously picked up on. Um, I said that Schumacher himself um, conceded that, you know, that he probably wasn't driving as well as he used to these days. So even even if that's true, even he's realising that um, the game has changed and uh, and he's struggling. Well, I heard so, that. Yeah, you know, I don't... Is that struggle down to the Renault engines or what? What's, that, what's he up against? Is he up against the Renault engines? Well, he's up against the teammate that constantly The Renault them. engines seem to be sort of driving this program at its yeah, highest level. Well, the Renault's not the best engine, probably not for Formula 1. It just happens to be in the best car. Right. The best cars at the moment. The Mercedes engine yeah. is by far, well, it's not by far, but it's clearly yeah. the quickest engine. Right. Um, it's We've just seen a and Mercedes, their own team, are not on the pace at the moment. Uh, Schumacher is struggling against a team that's not quite there. Um, a Formula One environment has changed radically in, in the few years that he's away, and he's up against a tough teammate in Nico yeah. Rosberg, who's yeah. a driven young bloke. Um, it's done remarkably well. I, you know, I must admit that I never really rated uh, young Rosberg as a future superstar. I'm not sure that he is, but he's certainly shaping up pretty well. So. You know, Michael's up against it. Whether he gives it away at the end of the year, well, you know, on balance, you'd think he would. Well, but, yeah. uh, he's, yeah, not, probably... he's not driven, and uh, he's got a three-year contract, so I suspect he'll probably keep, keep going. Mm. Well, Herbert just reckons that well, the, the game's which... moved on too far, and there were too many good young hotshots that basically are, are eclipsing him because there's a new, basically, a new breed of driver for want of a better way of putting it, and I thought that was a pretty, exactly. you know, pretty good observation. Let's move on. Johnny, Johnny Herbert, or, you know, he's a pretty much a nice guy and rarely says nasty things about people, but he does have a little bit of an axe to grind. He always reckons he got screwed when he was at Benetton as Schumacher's teammate, yeah. so you've always got to remember there's, you know, True. maybe a bit of residual resentment there, but, um, yeah. you know, he's, oh well. Johnny Herbert is just saying what most people think. Well, let's move off the world of Formula One onto sports car racing. And if you guys want to have a little chat offshore, go down there away from the microphone. Don't make me. We're just wondering don't about this rollout. Getting, pe getting live people to these hot races is one thing, but rolling out to the public in a new digital fashion, no one seems to have mastered the media and know what they're doing. They're too busy trying to talk, letting the spreadsheet talk too loudly. Now, you know? Stan, you, you're, that's a good point. Digital Duncan's just arrived. What are your thoughts, mate? And I, 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 Duncan, I, I, what is going on with his face? 
Yeah. <laughs> well, First then, time Dunks has seen oh, that. I'm sorry. Phones well, with the... Uh, calling uh, the kettle black, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> hey. I thought you were talking all this tiny talk. I thought you were talking about the budget, Tony Abbott. <laughs> but clearly not. It's Cochrane. No. Tony Cochrane. Mm, it could be. He could be Prime Minister, couldn't he? <laughs> Will we vote for TC as Prime Minister? <laughs> no, we won't. No. But, uh, while you're here, because you, you're a bit of an insider on the stuff that's going on here, we'll, we'll get back to sports cars in a sec, but the uh, the rescheduling of the Classic Adelaide event here two months earlier, you've talked to a bunch of people you know, about it, and uh, what do they think about coming back a couple of months earlier, cooler weather, a little bit lighter, you know, you know a little, rather a little bit less light, perhaps a bit of rain. But going back to the original concept of Classic Adelaide, now run by Octagon, is that it's for cars under uh, 1990. That would be better, I think. And uh, four-wheel drive would definitely uh, be an advantage in the wet weather, I would say. <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's interesting. That they got, now there are actually cars that run in that, in uh, that time frame that are four-wheel drive. Or Jensen Interceptors, 1970. Yeah. Would you have a ring? <laughs> Do you have a ring? <laughs> I've got one in my back pocket. <laughs> He's actually got a he's got a rear windscreen. FF. FF, mate. FF. What's that stand for? Fully mid. It's Ferguson something, isn't it? Ferguson fucker. That would be a handful. They could have 18 wheel drive, that'd be a handful. Land Rover. Land Rover. It's a beautiful car, but sorry. You That's a classic. <laughs> Land Rover with a V12. You do have a rear windscreen for it in your lounge as masquerading as a coffee table. And I mean, on cold <laughs> weekends, he uses the heating element. I mean, who else has done that? Folks, you're a one and only. <laughs> anyway, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I'm, I'm all ears about... Um, yeah, go on, Dunks, tell us about it. He's offended now, he doesn't know. <laughs> I've got no idea. I've got no idea. <laughs> oh, well, I did the. This is the show where you make it up. Has he got a Jensen? No, no, I know someone who has. No, 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 that's a good line. <laughs> you see? Diversionary tactic. Look at that Eddie Jordan face. <laughs> What's going He's got a Jensen. And it's one I of those ones with, a, I with, you, with a oxidized wheels. Oh? Anodized. Oxidised. Anodised. They've been hanging around the salt pits. <laughs> Folks. Moving along. To sports car racing last weekend was the... S <laughs> Don't do that. Don't mimic me. Don't mimic. Or you know what's going to happen. Here is, your, here is your bit of food dropping from the Mario Andretti suite. <laughs> See if you can catch it. We're going to talk about that later. Perhaps. Our impending trip. Our, oh, it's our. Amazing how I'm on a different flight to you and suddenly it's our. But anyway, yes, hours before I have to see you. <laughs> no, it'll be great, folks. Definitely uh, a great Classic trip. Adelaide, what happened? No, no, he, he's a dumb no, I, just, no, I just dropped him into knows? it. He knows, knows nothing about it. He dropped the ball. No, he didn't know anything. He have you seen dumb. David Edwards? <laughs> Lately. Uh, is anyway? He's still ducking and weaving. He's looking a bit like... He's looking a bit like Richard Branson. 
pickle. Yeah, well, hand Wait, over, Steve, hand over, hand over, hand over the cash before you go and fly something dodgy. Now listen, uh, okay, so last weekend uh, was the second round of the Le Mans series run at the picturesque circuit of Spa, Fresh or Schall, uh, in, in Belgium, a beautiful uh, circuit in the Ardennes, which climbs slightly up the hill through the through the, the, the mountains there. Um, Eau Rouge, gorgeous spot. Fogues is looking for his ashtray. I can see that, lost interest. But, uh, <laughs> mate, over 60 cars there. It and glazes uh, over with sports cars. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Audi had uh, decided to reveal in race trim the new R18 closed cockpit. The first time Audi has actually done a closed cockpit. Actually not. Prior to the R8, they did a closed cockpit, but uh, the... Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, there are a lot of crashes uh, there at the at, at, in uh, qualifying and practice. A couple of people uh, sent to hospital. Pedro Lamy, the guilty party, uh, sending Mike Newton and his HPD into the history books. For Mike managed to survive. The HPD didn't. And um, I, you know, Pedro, a bit of a short bloke. I don't suppose he came down and, and actually um, said, "I'm sorry." So. Gorgeous weather there, uh, unlike what had been in Turkey the weekend before. The race was won by um, by Peugeot, which was quite unusual, I think, considering that the might of the Audis, they've been, you know, they're, they're generally when they come out with something good, you've got the R10, the R8, they've all been on top. The R15, the R15 plus, it seemed to have like missed the ball a bit there. I don't know what's going on there. Um, it's still run by. Uh, by Yurst uh, uh, with um, with uh, Dr. Ulrich behind, the power behind the throne, as they say. Um, Alexander Wurst, Mark Genet and uh, Anthony Davison, who was unable to get a reliable ride in Formula One, were the winners. They're followed by the, uh, the, 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 team, the team car of Frank Montagny, Stefan Saran. Stefan Saran. 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 Trent, <laughs> WRC driver. <laughs> <laughs> That's Mark's coach car of the future, isn't it? That's right. <laughs> and Nico Messian. <laughs> anyway, you know him. Um, Messier or Messier. Okay, standouts. Standouts, apart from that. Was it our good old friends? Good old friends. Uncle Al. Smelly Alan Simonson. Yes, your best mate. That's right. What is it? What is it, folks? He came second in the Ferrari 458 Italia GTE in the pro category, uh, directly behind, in fact, only 11 seconds behind the AF course winning car of Gian, Gian Maria Bruni, or Jimmy Bruni, with the no haircut problem. Zero. Can you get a zero cut? How do you get a zero cut? I think that means you're bald. Right. So that's saving money. It is. Uh, and, uh, and, do, and do you. I'm not if I take my wig off. And and um, Giancarlo Fisichella. Now, do you do, would you say in the Senate and my home operating system? Donald Trump revealed all today. You'll be tomorrow. But now it's uh, it's is it is Gian, can you refer to Giancarlo Fisichella in the other four five eight Italia uh, as an ex F one star? Do, do you when you're writing a story do you go an ex F one star? But at what point after he hasn't been driving F one does he cease to be a star? And was he a star? Well, he probably was. Well, I would, I would ref <laughs> no, I wouldn't refer to him as an XF1 star. I would refer to him as an ex-Formula 1 driver. Absolutely right, folks. That's exactly mm. what I said. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> How many races did he win? Hogan! One. <laughs> he was blindingly fast, and at one stage he was the the driver's driver. All the other Formula One drivers on the grid actually voted him as potentially the best driver, the one that you know they thought was the best, but his results never reflected that. Well, the uh, GTE category really is uh, probably the battle of manufacturers. Uh, in, in P1, you've got the prototype category, you've got Peugeot and Audi, but what does that really, you know, what does that really mean to sales on Monday, folks? I mean, you know, this is what it's coming down to, you know. You, you're the one that wants to go and either buy a 458 or a 997 Porsche RSR or a new four-door Aston, oh, no, Aston Martin Vantage or perhaps a Chevrolet. Now, you're a bit of a Chevrolet kind of guy unless you're buying a new M3 or... Now, hang on a minute. You're a bit of a Nigel Mansell friend. It's a Lotus Evora for you. Sorry. No good. Um, Monday. A Janetta. It'd be Nigel Mansell, it'd be Janetta. He Janetta himself out the first lap of the mall. It's not win on Sunday, sell on Monday. I mean, I'm not sure if that was ever true, and it certainly hasn't been true for 30-odd years. But racing, it reinforces... You know the reputation of the breed doesn't it you know with Porsche and the 911 and uh, you know even to a lesser extent Ferrari their brand reinforcement is Formula One but for Aston Martin it's very important for them to go racing um, just to reinforce, reinforce the brand although their new um, open cockpit prototypes are struggling with a series engine problem so whether they're going to survive 2.4 hours at Le Mans, that's at 24 is open to debate at the moment. But no, it's, it's good to have these manufacturers involved. And for Audi and Peugeot, it's particularly important that they do, well, it's all about Le Mans, really. The rest of it's just practice. But for them, it's about validating um, diesel technology. And, you know, it's been very successful. Certainly for Audi, it's, you know, going to Le Mans and winning Le Mans of success several, over several years with you know a diesel engine has done wonders for the for the image of their diesel powered road cars so that's been a, a particular success and, and Peugeot is trying to do much the same thing but that's that's quite that's different from the norm because by running a diesel and sports car you know there are still a rarity in fast rarity in motorsport so you stand out by doing something like that but the rest of motorsport involvement what its benefit is who knows but you know it's better to do something on the off chance that, you know, it may do a benefit rather than, you know, not doing it and, and um, getting no benefit at all. That, that's pretty much what it boils down to. And car manufacturers are always going to be involved in motor racing to motorsport to some extent or another simply because that's what they do. They make cars. So if they're going to have a major, you know, marketing promotion, you know, what are they going to do? Well, it makes more sense to go racing than it does to sponsor a yacht or a, a footy team or whatever else or an opera, you know, which they also do, but, you know, at their core, you know, pushing their brand through racing makes a lot more sense because that's what they do. Well, to summarise last weekend's uh, Spa 1000 race, which was also part of the International uh, Le Mans Challenge, that saw a grid of over 60 cars, and that, that means a high track density, certainly on a circuit like Spa. Um, that makes for difficult uh, overtaking. It's a it's a wide track um, and uh, and and quite long distance, much like uh, probably the distance of, of Bathurst. 
but it is usually afflicted by weather conditions that are very, very changeable, dry, wet spots. That can affect driver confidence quite significantly, as you well know, uh, folks, to Alan Simonson and Dominic Farnbacher, and perhaps more so Hankook, the, Korea, the South Korean tyre manufacturer that is now taking on uh, for the third year uh, Dunlop and Michelin in its, uh, the European Amphitheatre in uh, sports car racing. The tyres have really come of age. They're able to work in warmer conditions. The drop-off is far less. Um, it appears they are up to running with these guys. Now, Alan had set the fastest time at Le Mans Test Day a couple of weeks prior. The car then went, uh, sorry, after uh, coming uh, third in the opening round at uh, Paul Ricard, Le Castellet, the high-tech test track that uh, Bernie uh, Eccleston owns in the south of France, to now uh, move on to come second uh, 11 seconds behind, as I said, Jimmy Bruni and uh, and Fisichella. Pit stop errors caused that delay. They probably could have won. It probably could have blah, blah, blah. four stop fuel strategies for both cars. It appears that 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 that, that vehicle in that configuration with these tyres are going to be a force to reckon be reckoned with later in the Le Mans uh, series. How it works in the 24 hour. Who knows? It's very. In fact, you and I, you and I know this. You, we've never seen a race where a single car didn't come in for a major service of some kind. And in fact, with the distance that they have to travel in the Le Mans 24 hour, they have to do. You know, they schedule in 20, 30 minute oil break, gearbox oil changes just to keep the things running. A week later, they have. Uh, sorry, uh, two weeks later, they have the the Nurburgring 24 hour, which they came second last year. From from 46th, so a lot of experience there in that in that in that team, um, and uh, looking really good. Of course, you and I, we haven't got one bit of interest because we'll be going to Indy. Indianapolis 500, the 100th anniversary of the greatest spectacle in racing, as they call it. But just on sports cars, you forgot to mention that the FIA GT1. World Championship goes to the Saxon Ring in Germany this weekend and the Nissan GDR team is up. Um, was that Sumo Power GT and JR Motorsports? They'll be going there looking to follow up their um, lock out of the podium in the last round in um, in Portugal and uh, yeah. David Crabman figures in that lineup. He wasn't one of the winning drivers. but Quite true, Crum and Cox just... taking the win there for Sumo Power. Yeah, so it's pretty interesting that the GT, you know, Nissan running a two-wheel drive GTR. There you go. <laughs> the uh, the engine in the GTR is not actually very GTR-ish. No, it's a V8, isn't it? Truck engine. Mm, yeah, it's a strange one, that. Anyway, it's good for Brad's. The thing's starting, starting to get a bit of pace. But yeah, back to the Indy 500, which they're building this 100th anniversary edition as the world, the greatest, uh, the greatest race in history. I think that's probably overcalling it. But it will be an incredible spectacle. Indy 500 always is. It's one of the most amazing places for atmosphere. You know, it's a, it's a cliche, but you really can feel it, the atmosphere in the air when you're on the grid waiting for the start of the, of the 500. And this year will be um, a big event celebration-wise just because of it being 100 years since the first race was held at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway in 1911. But one does, by Ray Haroon in it, his. Is that to say, folks? That, is that to say that they go with a rear vision mirror? Is that to say that the uh, Indianapolis 500 did not miss 
a race through the Second World War? Yeah, it's not the hundreds. It's not the 100th Indianapolis 500. In fact, it's only the 95th, I think, but it's the 100th anniversary. A bit like the reverse of Radio Hot Lab. That's another five years. They did miss, they missed races. Um, so maybe five weeks during the wars. They missed a, um, at least five years in the Second World War and maybe one in the, in the First World War. I'm not entirely sure, but um, it's a pretty good track record to get through that far. The track, of course, was revived. It was almost derelict after the Second World War, and it was um, bought by a wealthy Indiana businessman, Tony <coughs> who uh, built it into the event that it is today, and the event's bigger than ever since the reunification of IndyCar racing. And uh, anyone who's anyone in IndyCar racing will be there, and then some, and uh, you and I will be there. Yes, uh, joining up uh, with uh, Tamara Weringer, Nee Lewis, uh, who um, I speaking to her this morning. She was actually in charge of like, all the media for the, the international Formula One arama that was there and probably had to do a very good job when the tyres blew up and everyone had to fuck off. But, um, <laughs> you know, obviously it's back again. And um, she met her husband, Tom Weringer, uh, by doing some media interviews there with the camera and has apparently been around there forever and ever. So, very well-known uh, individual and uh, has, in, uh, has invited me over there having uh, having met her at the 2007 Le Mans uh, series uh, race with uh, Pierre Eric, the German driver, who's also doing the ILM, ILMC, International Le Mans Series Challenge in the GTE amateur category. Should be great. Um, great girl. Lots of fun. Looking forward to it. And she's getting us into Mario Andretti's hospitality suite, is she? <laughs> he says hopefully. Is that the deal? <laughs> you always come up with, <laughs> like, you know, erroneous I'm, questions. I'm the greatest fan of corporate hospitality, mate. Well, I, you know, <laughs> we know about that, folks. I don't know anything about that at all. You What's just, that going to do with Penske Racing? You're putting words in my mouth. There will be, there will be, there will no doubt be corporate activity for one of us and, and tickets one being, being dangled. <laughs> one of us. I'll just drag up your Skype message of earlier on if you like. Oh, uh, here we go. You can, type up, you can type up what you like. Well, he's not you can make up whatever you like. Of course we'll be meeting Mario and Michael and... Two Aussie drivers. Will Power and Ryan Briscoe of are both course. big chances, particularly Will Power driving for Roger Penske's team. If you're going to be driving for anyone at the uh, Indianapolis Motor Speedway, you want to be driving for Penske because they've won there more often than anyone else. But particularly Will Power has a very, very good shot at winning the 500. That would be outstanding to see that. No Australian has ever won the Indy 500. The best result was Vern Chupin in fellow South Australian. Yes. Uh, who, who was third in his first attempt in 1981. And would you believe it? I was there. Well, that, was my first well, that must be the reason why it all fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> well, Vern's in England at the moment, anyway. I, I would suggest that you uh, you keep your jacket ready. Uh, there are a few days of no track activity prior. We'll, we'll, be, um, we'll be flying out to the Andretti Winery in the Napa Valley for a little bit of a taster and then back. So just, just keep your thongs on, son. Okay, and we'll be going karting while we're there. 
Looking forward to uh, looking forward to seeing you in the mirrors. You'll be joining in our ongoing international karting challenge. So I hate to tell I hate to tell you folks, but he'll probably slaughter both of you. Oh, well, I was just saying, He's you know, we'll what, those, what, what all <laughs> those karting trophies in your office are worth. <laughs> Look, I don't take it seriously. No, no, none of us take it seriously, yeah, do totally we? totally bruised to death this yeah. It's not life and death, it's far more important than that. Folks, I'd like to say thanks for taking time to join us for episode 181 of Radio Hot Club. Or rather, uh, unless you've got a bit of a food tip... Or anyone else has got a food tip. Well, I've actually got, got, a, I've got a, a driver's eat. I've got a, a driver's eat. Folks has to do the sign-off. What is I've the driver's got, I've got a food slash um, what a sh- tech. What a shoemaker have for breakfast. Right? <laughs> food, yes, food slash <laughs> whatever the hell it is. Food yeah. slash tech. PepsiCo in the US have got this new factory with, uh, with robots and things. And what they're actually trying to do is make food tastier but healthier at the same time. They've actually got a new type of salt that they've already developed called 15 micron salt and the molecular structure of the salt apparently is designed so that it tastes saltier but you use a lot less of it. And they're saltier. And they're experimenting with similar sort of deals with sugar um, and all sorts of other gear um, so that we end end up eating supposedly healthier food but we in the um, a lot less. Yeah, keep talking. He's taking, and he's taking the hero photo. I'm just trying to work out what's going on. He's taking the hero photo. Well, JP, nom 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 is all I could say. Fair, fair enough, folks. Yeah. Flash didn't go off. Okay, so we're going to wrap up the hearty golden jubilee edition of Radio Hot Lab. Oh, very good, folks. Did you make a note of that earlier on? Did you? Uh, an oldie but a goldie. <laughs> And on that note, Mum, would you like to say goodnight to everybody? Come up and say goodnight and tell all the, the viewers around the world. And, and Fogwa, Mum, come and meet Fogwa. Mum has flown down. She's 90. And we're having lunch tomorrow at Chianti with yes, another person Chianti, who's... Yeah. The sum of our ages will equal Mum. That's must, right. Look, your hair... Is actually better than folks. <laughs> it is. Hi there. It's, t- it's a lot tidier. Hello. Hello. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Sounds well, like very nice. <laughs> Would you like, just say nice to everybody? Nice to meet you. Thanks, to li- thanks for listening to Radio Hot Lap tonight, and we hope you have a lovely evening. Well, you've said it for me, thank you. Oh, there you go. Good night, honey, Mum. Right. Ciao, folks. Look, folks, again, could you stay on the line? We need to get your address to send you that, you know, self-addressed envelope that you can read. Just that big library.